0: You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 tonight. Luke 19 is where we'll be um, in our text tonight. And, and one of the biggest biggest issues that's haunting and plaguing the church is something that should not be haunting and plaguing the church. And if I believe if we can figure out how to address it and how to deal with this, most of the problems, most of the issues, most of the... Um, the struggles in the church would evaporate. Um, and, and you say, well, Caleb, what is, what is this problem? The biggest problem in the church is not divorce. The biggest problem inside of the church is not pornography. It's not adultery. It's not um, what we think it is. The biggest issue inside of the church is this, the issue of Forgiveness. Genuine forgiveness. and It's one of the most misunderstood topics in the church. It's one of the most um, just muddy water issues in the church. And if we truly get our heads and our hearts and our hands wrapped around the idea of genuine forgiveness, freedom in our churches would be just over the top. Um, we've got tons of people who sit in pews every Sunday and in rooms like this every Sunday, and, and they just they don't, they don't get their idea around it. In fact... Um, We'd be freer if we could get our minds wrapped around the idea of genuine forgiveness for one another. We would be freer to focus on missions, taking care of the lame and the poor, the widows and the orphans. If we could get our if we could get our hearts and our minds wrapped around this idea. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to look at Luke chapter 19, this story of um, a guy that we've all heard about. We've sung about him. Um, we, know, we know a lot about this guy in terms of the song because all of us throughout the years have grown up with this guy starting in verse 8. We know the story of this guy. His name is Zacchaeus. Now, before I get to verse 8, um, I, I want you guys Well, we'll just, we'll just read this and then we'll, we'll get after it. So, I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to start in... Um, Verse 2. I know I said 8, but I'm going to start in 2. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, everybody wants to sing it, right? <laughs> Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I'm going to stay at your house today. And so he hurried down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled at him. He's gone into the, to be a guest of a man who's a what? A sinner. Oh, might get some on him, and and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, "Behold, Lord, the half of the goods I give to the poor, I'll give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'm going to restore it fourfold." And Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost." Now, the mistake that we make a lot of the times is we make this a children's story. And we break out our flannel graph and we put little Zacchaeus in a sycamore tree. And And we we have that mindset that this is a kid's story and, and it's a kid's narrative. And that's a mistake that we can do because this is not just a children's. Is it something we should tell our kids? Absolutely. But... The, this story has massive implications for adults as well as children. So I, I want us to, to, to dive a little bit into Zacchaeus' story. This guy, I mean, it says here what? He was a chief tax collector. So I, I want you guys to understand who he was. In the eyes of the common man, he was a traitor to Israelites. He was a a man who had sold out and he was a tax collector for the Roman government. And he was a man who actively was getting rich off the back of his fellow Jews and paying money towards the, the tyrannical Roman government that literally oppressed this nation. The Roman government oppressed the Jews to the point where it was just, it was bad. It was rough. I mean... You you hear this? You see the stories and the pictures of men and women being crucified. The things that the Roman government did to the Jews was just awful. So imagine, Tyler is a guy that we know. He goes to he comes to church here occasionally, but he works for the Roman government, and he's taxed the thunder out of every one of us in this room. And maybe some of us have had some really really close. Interactions with Tyler. I'm just I'm using Tyler as an example. But imagine we've got this gentleman who has got close interaction with, with, with some of us and he's defrauded. The scripture uses the word defraud. He's defrauded. He's stolen from us the money because there was a certain amount of taxes they're supposed to pay. But you know what he did? He's like, listen, I can get rich off this. I know Pam owes $400 in taxes, but I'm going to... Listen, $600 tax for you, Pam. So, I'd pay, my, pay, I'd pay the Roman government the 400, but I'd keep that 200 for me. So, I'd gouge Pam, and then I'd go over and I'd find Walita and I'd say, Listen, Walita, I know your taxes are $800, but tonight it's 1000 Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and, and he had the authority to do that. Zacchaeus had the authority from the government. So, if you couldn't go, you could, Well, I don't want to. Because if you said, Well, I don't want to, he'd throw you in jail, he'd put you in debtor's prison. And so there's this, so that these people don't like him is a, just a, that's an understatement. Like this guy is scum. He is scum of the earth. He was getting rich off the backs of the poor. Sounds a lot like something else that's going on in Washington, but that's another sermon for another day. We'll just move on. But Zacchaeus, (laughs) Zacchaeus, you got armpit sweat there, honey? Sorry. Stick to the notes. But Zach, Zacchaeus is the scum of the earth. He's, he's a guy that's just atrocious. He's a guy that you can see the text. Nobody likes this guy. He's, he's got a little man complex. He's small. He's got this, this idea that, man, I can I can really get in here and I can stick it to these people. And it, I've been this little man for all my life, and I've finally got some authority and power, and he's using it. And he's wanting to see Jesus. He's he's heard the stories. I mean, by this time, Zacchaeus' guarantee has heard the stories about who Jesus is. He's doing miracles. He's doing things. He's feeding thousands. There's a lot going on in the story of who Jesus is. So Zacchaeus, I guarantee, has heard about him. And remember, Zacchaeus is a businessman. He's trying to figure out ways to make a dollar. So he wants to figure out who this Jesus is and maybe get in on some of the action. Maybe get in and Maneuver and figure out what's going on. So he wanted to try to maybe profit off of this man, Jesus. I heard who Jesus is. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. So he's trying to, he wanted to figure him out. So he, he goes ahead, but there's a big crowd. There's a group of people that were following him. I mean, Jesus had thousands that followed him. it says there's a crowd, there's at any given moment hundreds upon thousands potentially that followed him. I mean, he fed, in one instance, he fed 5,000 men. That they only counted the men in that time. They didn't count the women and children. So we're looking at maybe fifteen to 20,000 that Jesus fed. And so there's a lot of word getting out. It's like, this guy is a miracle worker. He can do amazing things. So Zacchaeus is said, I want to figure this guy. I want to meet him. And so he climbs the sycamore tree, and what happens? He climbs, you guys know the song, he climbed the sycamore tree for the lord he wanted to see right <laughs> we, that's the good thing about these songs is that you you remember them. like zacchaeus was a wee little man you remember everybody in the room knows these songs so he climbs the tree and what happens jesus sees him and he calls him out he says zacchaeus not you come down for your going i'm going to come to your house today or we're, we're going to your house today and we're going to go eat and we're going to fit now Everyone else, all they see is, wait a second, huh? I knew it. A Jesus guy, he's just trying to get in with the politically elite and get in and look, ah, yeah. And they start to mock. They start to mock him and say, he's this, he's going to Zacchaeus's house. Zacchaeus is excited. He says he's, he's joy-filled. He receives him joyfully. And when they, the crowd, saw him, what did they do? Verse verse 7. What, what do crowds normally do when things like this happen? They grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who was a what? Sinner. Now, forget the fact that everyone else in the crowd is a sinner. Forget the fact that everyone else that he's interacting with is wicked to the core they're just as wicked as Zacchaeus but this is what we do as humanity is we see someone specifically sinning in a specific way and say their sins worse than my sin but in reality your sin is just as egregious as Zacchaeus's sin now what Zacchaeus was doing was just demonic on certain levels he was stealing from the poor and gouging the poor in such a way that no one liked this guy. He's rich, but nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. So Zacchaeus, according to the verse, he hurries down and he receives him joyfully. And then verse they, they grumble. And then verse 8, Zacchaeus stood. Now, something happened. We don't know what took place. But something happened in the midst of all of this. Zacchaeus goes and he has Jesus in. Jesus sits with him. And as a result of this... Something happens. Jesus, look, look at this. What I want you guys to see here is that Jesus loves sinners. He is came, he came and to, see, to seek and to save and he wants to be around them. He's not concerned with, oh, I might get some on me. He's, he's going to go in and he's going to engage sinful men and women with the gospel. And as a result of Jesus going into to Zacchaeus' house, What happens? Obviously, sin was recognized in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus understands and realizes he's a sinner. He understands and he repents of his sin. And as a result of this, forgiveness is handed out and and reconciliation was made. And we see the text. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So imagine what took place here. Zacchaeus has got a good business model going on in his own personal life. He's making a lot of money. He interacts with Jesus. And what happens? Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, that's capital L. So he's recognizing Jesus for who he is. The half of my goods I will give to the poor. So this is this is on top of this isn't what he's. Stolen his his own personal possessions. He's like, listen, half of my goods that I have, I'm giving them away to the poor. Half of my money that I have, I'm giving to the poor. Half of the goods that I have, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it. Not just a little bit, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to repay them fourfold. So he stole a thousand dollars from Walida. Well he's getting four grand back. To bring it on, right? Come on. Now could you imagine what took place in those people's lives that had been defrauded by him? Well, he's like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa what? Why am I? first of all, you have your guard up at first you' be like, why are you doing this? Why am I getting this money? You'd be, you'd be cautious, but man the more you interact here and see what's going on, what does Jesus say? Today, salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come to this particular house. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, what do we do with this? How do we, how do we handle this issue of forgiveness? I want us to see, go to Romans chapter 5. I know we're, I know we're in Luke. Stay, put your finger there in Luke. And I want you to go over to Romans chapter 5. I want us to see this. Because faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So, Matthew, or Romans chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 9. Since therefore we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies of God. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now than we have been reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have now received reconciliation. Now, look at what happens. You have been given and handed reconciliation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And now as a result of that, you and I have been given the job of being an ambassador of reconciliation towards our fellow men, our fellow human beings. We've been called to be a reconciler to them ambassadors of reconciliation. Now, What I I need us to understand here is that what happens so very often is that we will say, Caleb, you don't know what has happened in my own life. So let's just, let me ask you this. So has Jesus forgiven you of much? Has Christ forgiven you? Christ has forgiven you of much. Christ has forgiven me of much. How do we know? Because the text tells us right here, for while we were enemies, so at one point, every single one of us in the room tonight have been or were at one point an enemy of God. Imagine those implications. You being an enemy of God. What does Jesus do? While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, Jesus. Much more than that, we were reconciled, shall we now? be saved by his life more than that we're to rejoice in god though or through the lord jesus christ through whom we now have received reconciliation so you say caleb that's great i've been saved what are we supposed to do with this matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and 15 tells us if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. What we tend to do, we tend to be a lot like those people in Luke chapter 19 who grumble when we see Jesus save somebody. When we see someone or we hear someone being reconciled. We grumble and we say what? We're just like these people. We grumble. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. He's been a guest of a sinner. Like, she was a prostitute. Like, think about the people that Jesus came to seek and to save. Think about the people that got redeemed. Prostitutes. I mean, think, of the, think about the woman who had been caught in adultery. That's, you talk about it. Like, what did the crowd do? They, it's funny. No, it's not really funny. But they bring the woman, but that man is nowhere to be found. We hear nothing about. We bring the woman in, and I guarantee you, she was not clothed. This was a. It's a speculation. I know, but it's. It was. They were shaming her. She had been caught in the act of adultery, so obviously she's in the middle of some stuff. Bring her in to Jesus, and Jesus. They say, well, hey, what do are, what are we, we need, law says we're a stoner. She's been caught in adultery. We need, to, we need to throw some rocks at her. Jesus has every right to pick up a rock and throw it at her. Amen? Has every right to destroy this woman. He bends down in the dirt. The scripture says he writes in the dirt. We don't know what he wrote. Theologians, some people say that maybe he was writing all these people's sins in the dirt. That are watching I don't know. This is just speculation. But he writes something in the dirt. And he says, Those that are without sin, you throw the first rock. You throw the first stone. And the scripture says, Slowly they leave. they leave. They leave. They leave. They leave. They leave. And all that's left is her and Jesus. The guy that has the right to crush her says what? He looks up at her and he says, hey, where's everybody gone? She says, they've all left. She goes, no one's condemned you. I'm not going to condemn you either. Now, he does tell her, go and sin no more. He doesn't excuse her sin. He doesn't say, well, you know what? I know the urge to merge. I get it. I get it. He doesn't, he doesn't say any of that. He just says what? He looks at her and he says, listen, go and sin no more. Don't do it again. Listen, don't do this again. I'm not going to condemn you, but don't go. Don't keep doing it. Go and sin no more. Jesus didn't. Jesus forgives. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Think about all the men and women that Jesus redeemed and reconciled. Who had the biggest problem with this? The religious elite. They hated it because, man... He's reconciling and redeeming these common folks. And he even saves a couple, he even redeems some religious folks. Nicodemus. Remember the story of Nicodemus. Remember he meets with him in the dead of night? What is this thing? What are you doing? He goes, you've got to be born again. He goes, what, I've got to enter my mom's womb and come out again? i got to go in and come back? No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus is saying. You've got to be born again. We've got to be born not of this world, but born of the Spirit. And so Jesus, he's he's doing some different things here. Jesus says if you want to be forgiven, you have to extend forgiveness to others. If you don't, what it says here is you're not going to be forgiven. I'm not going to be forgiven. If I hold grudges, if I hold bitterness, if I'm grumpy towards things, oh, Jesus saw How could he love somebody like that? How could he forgive somebody like that? And we are just like this and Grumble, that he's gone in to be a, a guest of a man who's a sinner. Jesus says here, keep short accounts. Do not hold grudges. Don't repay evil for evil. Be, and the scripture tells us, be angry with somebody. You can be angry with somebody over, over a wrongdoing, but don't sin. Being angry in and of itself is not a sin. You can be angry. The scripture gives us a very clear caveat. Be angry and what? Sin Sin not. So we have a very clear caveat here. And one of Christ's biggest characteristics was that he was forgiving. He was a forgiving God. He is a forgiving God. Let's show hands in the room. How many of you have been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ? More than once? More than twice? More than 452 times? Come on. Like, you want to be like Christ? Ephesians chapter 5 says, imitate Jesus. That's Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Be imitators of God as beloved children. You want to imitate Jesus? Forgive. And if you're withholding forgiveness from someone today, I mean, you need to stop. Like, you have got to stop. Because here's what that does. This is the idea of not hold, or holding grudges against somebody. You are holding on to a grudge means that you're sitting in a prison that you've built yourself. You're sitting inside of a prison that you have built with your own two hands. And you could walk out of that prison if you want to. But so many of us are so blinded by our rage and our bitterness towards someone over something that happened. Some of us can't even recall what the problem was. Some of us can't even recall the, the, the wrong that was done. I mean, we're, well, I don't like that woman. I don't like that man. I can't stand him. Well, why? Well, I can't remember why, but man, I don't like him. <laughs> I mean, that's, there are people that are angry with one another over, over carpet colors in churches. There are churches that are split and people that are ready to go to war with one another over the color of a carpet. And that, like, we've got to stop that. If we're withholding forgiveness from someone, we've got to stop today and take care of that. Let me ask you this. Is your offense to God bigger than what someone has done to you? That's the question you've got to have. I mean, is the offense that you laid at the feet of Jesus, the way you offended Christ with your sin, is your offense to God worse than the offense that was done to you? Yeah. Your sin put Jesus on the cross. Your sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. He took the sins of those that would believe. So I've offended the God of the universe with my sin. And that he was the only guy that had every single solitary right to say, you know what? I hate them all. Kill them all. He's the guy who had the right to do that. But as he hung on the cross after the awful stuff that took place, he said, What? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Stephen, we read a few weeks ago in the book of Acts. As Stephen is in the midst of being stoned to death, he doesn't raise his fist and shake it and say, How dare you? You are horrible. He looks up to heaven, sees the Lord Jesus Christ, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he says, Father, don't hold us against them. Forgive them of this sin. And then he says, take me into your, I commit my spirit into into, into you. What Jesus did for you, the forgiveness that he meted out to you, is what we are to do to other people. This text talks, shows us that Jesus takes keeps short accounts. He doesn't hold this against Zacchaeus in 10,000 years. Remember that time you were down in Israel? You were gouging your brothers and sisters. He doesn't do that. What's he say? Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Came to seek and to save and to save those who are lost. If Jesus saved you? Then you as a believer have an obligation according to the word of God to forgive those who have done wrong to you. In fact, Matthew chapter 5 gives us a very clear indicator here you have heard it this is matthew chapter 5 verse 43 you have heard it said that you should love your neighbor and you should hate your enemy but i say to you love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good he sends rain on the just and the unjust for if you love someone who loves you. What reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors or the the pagans do the, Now remember, who was the tax collector? <laughs> Zacchaeus. Remember, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Now, those guys like Zacchaeus don't they? They do the same thing. They do the same thing. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, the lost, don't they do the same thing? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's that's heavy medicine there. We this is what we do, is, man. It's easy if 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 Kylie is nice to me and I'm nice back to her, no one's gonna be like, wow, look at that. Caleb's being so nice to Kylie. <laughs> Now, if Kylie's been a jerk to me, and she's been mean, and she's been hateful, and she's been vindictive. <laughs> what are we doing now with that, Tyler? Sure, I something, yeah. you, her, you got a tickle in your throat? All right, Tyler, that's cool. If, if she's been doing that to me, but I show her grace and mercy and love and forgiveness, and I do all the things that I'm supposed to do to take care of her, and I love her, and I pray for her, people are going to be like, man, something's, something, something's off with Caleb. Why? I and mean, he's he's loving people that are mean to him. He's forgiving people that are difficult. What's the text say? For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax of course the tax collectors love those that love them. That <laughs> do what they're supposed to do. Do not even the tax collectors do this. And if you greet only those brothers that greet you. Are, are, you're not doing much than anybody else. Like, pagans do that. Sinners do that. But what would it look like if we love people that are difficult? What if we pray for those that are enemies, that we classify as enemies? Remember we talked about Romans 5. We, at one point, you and I were all, we were all enemies of God. But Jesus reconciles us. The idea in the text here is that we keep short accounts. We don't hold long lists of grudges. From 30, 40, 50 years ago. You don't know what they did to me. I don't want to listen. I'm not trying to lessen what someone did to you. But I'm trying to make you understand that. In the, the corridors of eternity. What someone does to you. In the moment. Will not have eternal consequences. For you. What Now it might for them if they don't repent. But. in the What the, what the text say this morning? That our. Light momentary afflictions are preparing us for something. This weight of glory that is going to be unimaginable. We're just going to have our, like we're not even going to be able to just handle it. But it's going to be so intense. It's going to be amazing. So the idea here is to love those who are unlovable. Pray for those that you don't want to pray for. Extend forgiveness to those that you don't want to extend forgiveness to. And I know that this is difficult. I get it. Forgiving people that have wronged you, that's tough. Because maybe they might deserve it. They might genuinely deserve it. But what did you genuinely deserve? You just genuinely deserve the wrath of God. But how many of us got the mercy of God instead? When we came to it and said, Jesus, I'm sorry that I have offended. I'm sorry that I've broken your law. I'm sorry that I have done this in your sight. Please forgive me. The scripture promises us that he will forgive us. And so the idea here is, yeah, you know, you've heard it said. Love your enemy or love your neighbor. But you don't have to hate. You don't have to love your enemy. Jesus comes in and turns the whole thing upside down. This is why Jesus was killed. This is why Jesus, because Jesus came in and he flipped the establishment on its head and said, listen, I know you've been de- being taught this crazy stuff for generations, but I'm telling you, love your enemies. Oh, I don't like that one. I like the other one where I could beat my enemy up, take him to debtor's court. I mean, Jesus went as far as say, listen, if you've got a brother or sister and you've got a court, just don't sue him. Jesus even goes as far as says, "Don't sue your brother and sister in Christ." I didn't say it. Jesus did. Like that's that's big medicine for people because sometimes we, man, that's that's big stuff, right? For if you do, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? You don't really have one. So this idea that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost—that's all of us and. Shame on us, on us if we have been like these people in Luke chapter 19 that grumbled about Jesus saving somebody that we didn't think could be saved. And don't think that that's new because it's not. They had a... In the, in the New Testament, and there was this moment where a bunch of Gentiles get saved and the Jews are going, wait a second. This can't be right. These Gentiles can't get saved. And so they have a special business meeting in church. To discuss whether or not Gentiles can be saved. And they go back and forth and have a business meeting about this. And after extensive information from the apostles, they can be like, well, I guess so. Jesus can save whoever Jesus wants to save. And that's the truth. Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants because he's a king. And he doesn't have to ask for permission to do anything from any of us. He can come and he can take over and promise... He's, it's coming and he will take over. It's, it's coming sooner rather than later. Jesus will take over. So my hope for us tonight is, that, man, if, you're, if you've held onto a grudge for years, tonight could be the night that you just let go. Just let that thing go and say, okay, God, I'm done. And then just call. Send him a text. So listen, I forgive you.